0: Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch, Follow us on Instagram at SexEdWithDB podcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. You are all in for a treat with today's episode featuring Louis Ortiz Fonseca. Louis is the director of LGBTQ health and rights at Advocates for Youth, an organization that works alongside thousands of young people here in the U.S. and around the globe as they fight for sexual health, rights, and justice. Louis works in partnership with young people living with HIV to combat stigma, and he hosts a YouTube series for LGBTQ youth called Kikis with Louis. Louis is also the creator of the Gram Varones, a digital storytelling project that amplifies queer history. Find out more about Advocates for Youth at www.advocatesforyouth.org. Here I am with Louis. Fun fact number one. Did you know that UberLube works underwater, making it great for fun in pools, lakes, and tubs? Fun fact number two, UberLube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. And fun fact number three, a small amount of UberLube can be applied anywhere to prevent daily chafing, not just when exercising. These fun facts are brought to you by UberLube. Use promo code SEXEDDB for 10% off your purchase with free shipping. At www.uberlube.com. Ever wish you had an exact replica of your gorgeous parts? Well, now you can make one yourself thanks to ClonaWilly. ClonaWilly and Clone-A-Pussy are DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva at home into a high quality sex toy or memento. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on Instagram at clonawillykid. Hello, Louie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm
1: good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the invite.
0: Of course. Um, It is our pleasure. Uh, Let's get started by you sharing your name, your pronouns, and what you do.
1: Um, Louis Ortiz Fonseca, um, he him his, um, I work with Advocates for youth, which is um, generally the overarching thing where a sexual reproductive justice organization does do a lot of work around sex ed and working with young people and agencies throughout the country. So I do a lot of um, LGBTQ and HIV work and also do storytelling outside of that as creator of the Grand Varones Project.
0: Love it. Thank you so much for that background. Um, Talk a little bit more about Advocates for Youth and what you all do there on the ground.
1: Well, we do several things on the ground. I think um, it's definitely my first job on the national spectrum of the landscape. Um, I did a lot of work in Philadelphia for about 25, 20, maybe 20 years. I'm working at local nonprofits, so Advocates for Youth, Um, Our primary goal is to ensure that young people have access to affirming, not judgmental and factual sex ed. So a lot of that is done through either local or state national organizing, um, working with school districts to make sure that they have curriculum that is affirming and factual, right, Uh, and that, you know, um, doesn't make young people feel judged, uh, particularly those who identify as LGBTQ. And then we work with policymakers. But a lot of this work that we do is driven by the young people we work with all over the country. And one of the ways we do that is that we have several youth activist cohorts. I have one, um, ECHO, Engaging Communities Around HIV Organizing. It's a collective of young people living with HIV who do a lot of work. So we do stuff that you know that's around culture shift, policy shift, but also things that impact policy at the local and school level.
0: Incredible. And I think what you said about like the, the cohorts of young people that you work with is so important to center young people, because if you're making policy, making sex ed relevant to young people, then you have to involve them, right? You have to put them at the center. And I think that's exactly what Advocates for Youth is doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the, you know, I've always worked with young people, Um, But and I think the reason why part of, you know, the reason why our work is powerful is because we are challenged by our young people. Right. You know, we can come up with a great idea and think that this tactic or strategy is perfect. And then we present it to the young people because we never put anything out that's outward facing or any strategy without checking in with our young people. And sometimes you're going to get pushed back, and you're going to be reminded that maybe this strategy is dated or that something needs to be added or needs to be tweaked. So like, I think part of because we are challenged in that and make that part of our work, I think that gives us a different kind of approach and a different kind of perspective.
0: Yeah. Fresher, I would say more, more in tune with what young people are actually thinking and feeling and want which is great um so i first learned about you from kikis with louie and this series is so fantastic um you've had so many amazing lgbtq plus guests on and some are super super well known like mj rodriguez from pose um can you tell me about how that project originated and what's its goal (laughs)
1: Uh, This project could literally have its own documentary, (laughs) Um, but the short story is, you know, we were presented um, with an idea to maybe do something, a campaign. It wasn't necessarily a video or a YouTube campaign a year prior. And um, no one, we weren't sure what we wanted to do or what we could do that we hadn't done already. So it took some time to figure that out. And then there was a day, I think it might have been a Friday, where the we got a call. And it was like kind of like those things that like, um, wait, but hurry up.
0: Right, right, right. Hurry so up and waited, wait, and exactly.
1: Was, yeah, hurry up and wait. So um, that Friday we had like an hour. We were presented with an idea that was completely awful. Uh, like it was awful and i was like i'm not doing this you know what i mean like i uh, do not like the idea um you know i'm not a capitalist in that way that i want to do it because it may be a more opportunity it's kind of like it's it, i already know it's not going to be fun mm-hmm. right um so after some tweaks i gave staff i say if you can come up with an idea in five minutes um because i'm leaving right um then I'll do it. But so I'm going to put the trust in y'all. I'm not going to leave this project as part of it was what I wanted to be fun where it wasn't a project that I led. Cause that comes with different kinds of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and five minutes later they presented the idea and I was amazed and we said, let's go for it. And we traveled to seven different cities and interviewed tons of folks. Wow. Um, like MJ Rodriguez and in every city we interviewed young people.
0: Amazing. Wow. Five minutes, huh? That's all it takes for this genius idea.
1: Sometimes, you know, people are under pressure, like, cause it was clear cause we had to make a decision quick. Either we were going to partner with um, Mac Because I forget that's where it originated from. Right. Mac Cosmetics or it was going to be a no. So like the answer had to be that day by five o'clock.
0: Right. Yeah. And it just, and it worked out. That's so, so incredible. And and what about its goal? So obviously, you know, you traveling all over the country in seven different cities, you're talking to to famous people, you're talking to people who aren't famous, who are regular LGBTQ people. Like what was its goal? And, And what do you think that people watching... Get get out of it.
1: So I think one goal was definitely to enter the youth the YouTube sphere. You know, I have a, a 17 year old son who only listens to music on YouTube. I never know what the hell he's listening to. It's <laughs> uh, presented an opportunity to have tons of conversations around sex ed because of what he listens to. Um so it was like, well, let's it was gonna be really different for advocates for youth, right? Um, and we knew that we wanted to center young people. And I love storytelling. I love story of self. And I think a lot of times with young people and around sex ed and LGBTQ issues and self-esteem, that's done a lot through campaigns. And while that work is powerful, it was like, what can we create that would have young people tell their stories or hear their stories through influencers that they love and respect and, you know, adore? Mm -hmm. So that was our goal to like center the stories of young people and just have me be kind of the facilitator. Um, That's why I love this project because it's not so much of what I think and what I feel as much as me being the trusted adult during these conversations. Um, So it was just kind of like providing us an opportunity to interrupt a lot of the homophobia that is in the YouTube space, Mm. but also create um, a project where young people are hearing what they're experiencing from other young people. And I believe in legacy work, right? So while we can post a story today and someone would discover it four years from now and connect not only to the people on the screen telling their stories, but in the comments. Mm -hmm. So we were like really intentional about like, what do we want to create that would be, that would last forever. And that was Kiki's.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And could you maybe talk a little bit about the, the history behind Kiki's and like what, what that means to the queer community?
1: I think generally it's kind of like, um, like having a good time, you know, like let's have a kiki. Um, You know, it's it's more than a party. It's kind of like a community. Right. Um, I've also, you know, used it as a young person many, many years ago. Um, Something that like it was an inside joke, but it was something that was experienced within community. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's part conversation, part celebration, part, pain right so it's it's this immersive experience for lack of a better term let's have a kiki so that means like we're going to talk about everything and i think that i think if i were to compare it now it would be kind of like i think what podcasts are Mm -hmm. right because you're gonna laugh you're gonna joke you're gonna talk about pop you're gonna get into it yes right um so that's what kiki is for folks who may have not heard the term before
0: perfect And so you talked about a little bit, um, Gran Varones. Is that how you say it? Yes. Okay. Um, and it's a digital project that highlights community storytelling and queer pop culture history. Some of the things that seems like you're super passionate about and are able to combine, uh, many times, which is amazing in your career. Um, tell me more about that and what is that project?
1: So I'm born and raised in Philadelphia. Um, and, like many cities, Philadelphia is racially segregated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up there and um, as, you know, Puerto Rican, it was hard to figure out where one belonged because there was such these cultural and racial divides that were really, really real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, were able was able to navigate that and then I met my best friend, Um, six, seven years ago when he moved to another Puerto Rican who moved to Philadelphia from Lancaster, which is Lancaster, PA. It's, um, not Puerto Rican, right? (laughs) But a lot of, it's, it's a lot of Amish folk, right? The the Amish culture is very prominent there. So when he came to Philadelphia, he was like, so where um, are the Latino gay clubs? Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not a thing here. And for somebody coming from where he was, he like, like Philadelphia was supposed to be like the other New York. Right. So he's like, this is weird. And I was like, yeah, it's always been like that. I'm not sure what is or what isn't. Um, so then we came up and said, well, why don't we go find them? Because we know that the, the locas and the, the queer, gay, Latino gays are out there. But we didn't have resources we didn't have a place for people to meet because we know that people would not want to meet mm. in person because people always say we need spaces and then you create a space and then nobody wants to go to that space right mm. uh why do you
0: think that is is that like does that have to do with like embarrassment or just kind of like other things coming up or i think what i
1: it's kind of like you know when you've hanged maybe you've been to a conference or maybe outside of the city. Or there's that one night where you wind up at a place with like-minded people, and you're like, oh, my God, I needed this tonight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? We should do this again.
0: Mm.
1: But the part of what, what made it magical was that you didn't know that you needed it and it was provided for you. Right. And it's hard to say, Let's do it every Friday because do I need that today? And I think that's why. Because I've done it. I've said, we need to do this again. And then I'm like, I really don't want to do this today. <laughs> right? Because... Not because I no longer need it. It's just the way I've entered it in that kind of way is just different. Right. Right. So we didn't want to do that, right? Um, So we said, well, let's take um, photos and we'll create something like Humans of New York, which was huge, like seven years ago. Mm -hmm. still a thing. Um, And so we'll get stories in that way. You get to meet people since you just moved here. And I'll photograph them and ask people. Um, and then we will see what that looks like. And eventually it turned into it transitioned from a photography project of people telling their stories to then talking about co- pop culture history. So essentially it's like just building community in the virtual space.
0: Love it. And how, how long has that project been going on?
1: We turned six this past
0: May. Oh my gosh.
1: Happy uh, belated. Yeah thank you it, 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 it's wild you know i think and like kiki's you know kiki's is magical because as i said like we every city we went to we interviewed um a group of young people right it didn't matter we could have interviewed mariah carey that would have been a dream of mine <laughs> but like and i actually did see her while we were recording in vegas oh my god um we do, So we interview a group of young people because it was important for us to make sure that we centered those voices mm-hmm. as much as we centered influencers. Right. So part of that is relinquishing power. Like none of this is going to work without this community. And Gravarones is the same way because we don't pay for stories. So people have to trust the project in order to share their stories. Mm-hmm. Right. So like it's this like I know that this will not work without y'all. Um, it can be scary in the beginning. But once you believe in community and know the power of community, um, magic happens. And I think that's a lot of why Gravaadonas has been able to grow. And I would say that part of the pop culture music history component was a suggestion by a follower.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh wow, who
1: followed me on my yeah, who followed me on my personal page and I was doing a lot of music history there. And she was like, I got a question like, why don't you? Do this and I was like, well, I don't know, because it's about music history. I don't know if people would connect. She was like your song, your project is named after a song.
0: <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's amazing that you kind of took that advice from someone who followed your work and they were able to like participate in a really big way in, in your community. So that's really like lovely and warm. Um, so obviously there's a really clear theme here, right? In all your work, there's storytelling, there's art, there's digital media to really create community as you're speaking about and positive change in the LGBTQ community. Why do you think these themes are so, such a strong part of your work? What is your background, um, you know, in terms of how those things became so prominent for you? You know, I, I,
1: I, I've actually just had a conversation with a friend of mine last night via DM uh, because no one talks on the phone anymore. Um, Trying to like dig deeper into why I do storytelling. Um, You know, I love it. I think that it's part of who I am, but like, kind of like, like how can I be more intentional about it? Mm. Right. Because if it's community storytelling, like how do I be more careful or more intentional or more tender with what I share and what I put out there because it's consumed by people who um, historically and politically have gone through pain, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think that what I'm coming up with is, as a kid, I was, you know, um, I was hung with my mother. She always had queer and trans folks in the house. And I think because I'm newsy as hell, I would like try to hang around to listen to their stories and trying to decipher what they say. Cause a lot of the language I didn't know, but I knew what they probably w- was alluding to, even though I didn't really know what that exactly was. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So I was like, I know what they're saying. That means something happened. So I think that. Because it's like a lot of decoding. Always... Yes. Yes. And, part... and I, I love that as a kid. Um, So I would like hide behind the couch just to listen. I don't don't even know it was, I wasn't going to do anything with the information, but me knowing it and deciphering it and um, you know, um, filling in the pieces always captivated me. Um, And a lot of times there was always music playing in the background. So I would hear their commentary about like Irene Cara, Cindy Lauper, Madonna. Um, So I think that that's why storytelling and music are so linked to me. Like I remember things in music. I remember things in pop culture. Um, and I think that's why I love the, I think that's why I love the work. And I think that's why Kiki's and Gravarones were great artistic um, experiences for me. Because people are telling their stories through pop culture. Um, Cause I believe that, You know, what we hear and what we see are the soundtracks of our lives. And I think um, there's not enough conversation about it. You know, we hear that Lady Gaga, you know, we read enough about Lady Gaga being a queer artist, but I think it's more deeper than
0: that, Mm -hmm. right?
1: It's like, this is like, and 20 years from now, we're going to have conversations about the music of COVID.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What was it like to be Black, Latinx, queer, and trans during COVID in the music, right? So I'm excited to read about that. Um, So I think because of that, that's what, you know, that's the work I love to do because it comes so naturally. Um, And I think that's embedded through all of my stuff. So like, I don't think I can ever get away from it.
0: I love that though. I mean, if it makes you happy and makes you feel full and makes you feel connected to people and really able to invite them in, I think that's really beautiful. Um, Who are some of your favorite queer artists?
1: My favorite queer artists? I don't know if I can... Because I'm a Mariah Lamb, <laughs> um, and you know, and I, I know that people have thoughts about RuPaul, right? And very I have very contentious similar thoughts, these right? days, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I you know, I think as you know, an elder, I'm trying to be com- more comfortable and intentional about me being an elder, although I still feel 23, <laughs> um, but I'm. And that, you know, what I say and what I don't say to people who may see me as a mentor has huge impacts, regardless if I think we're on the same level, we're not. Mm-hmm. Some In some spaces and in some roles, I'm trying to be really co- cognizant of that. Um, so I think that how I experience RuPaul is kind of like, that's just my older, um, that's my uncle. Like, he really cool, Up but like he just... He, we still figuring stuff out. Like the world changed uh, too fast, right? Right. And but like I think I do love RuPaul um, because of what he represented for me as a kid. Yeah. Right. I can instinctively remember, and I've shared the story on Gravadores. Like the first time that I saw Supermodel on TV, we were getting raided by the police. And, you know, I was on the floor, my mother was on the floor, face down, video vibrations on BET was on. So this had to be like after three o'clock because it came on at three o'clock and we have guns pointed to our head. And I don't remember us being terrified because that was something that was kind of like the norm, you know, during those years, um, because as the war on drugs intensified. So they, at somebody's house on the block was always getting raided, right? Like it was kind of like, you just go again. Ugh. And I remember RuPaul's like supermodel video on and me looking up and my mother looking up and me deciphering what I was seeing, right? Because it could be hard for some people. Like there were there was really no queer representation, at least controlled by queer people mm. during that time. And definitely in music, on um, black television. So it was like, okay, there's something going on here. And there's a a lot going on in this room. Right. But I was so... um, You were mesmerized. Yes, it was like, okay. And I remember my mother saying, is that a drag queen? And me going, "I, I, 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 I think so. And I remember the cop looking and saying I think so So it was this really
0: weird like a full conversation was happening
1: yeah like
0: while this immense
1: violence is happening yeah like that was my entry into RuPaul so I, I so like I think that so I've always experienced that story or that reality or that happening as like the universe saying you are going to be all right. We got you. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, because it could have been any video, that TV could have been on any station. Right. But I do not get lost in what is happening right here because, so I think that's why my connection to RuPaul is, because, you know, he saved my life that day. And I was able to still stay connected to my mother, like we were able to talk about this, even though we were going through this dehumanizing experience, me and my mother shared this. So I'm still unpacking that experience,
0: right? Um, very, very think... complicated memory, as we both <laughs> are crying. That's why, you know, I love RuPaul,
1: right? Um, that's not to say I, I do not have feedback or thoughts about a lot of, of, of stuff. I, I have thoughts about myself. Um, But I think that if I had to choose someone like emotionally and spiritually, it would have to be like RuPaul.
0: Oh, my God. Thank you so much for sharing that really, really um, challenging and and really complicated memory with me. I think that is really, really obviously very intense and a lot of, of things to think about there. but the fact that you did feel like held in that moment and like supported by this person on your TV and were able to escape that moment for a little um, is really powerful. And um, I just really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I I would love to hear what topics or issues do you think are affecting queer youth um, that are maybe most misunderstood and that you wish that non-queer people and allies knew about young queer
1: people? Oh my god, I think my answer would have been slightly different in um, March 12th. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Before the collapse of the new world. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of what gets discounted by non-queer people is the need for visibility and to be heard, hmm. right? Um, yeah, we live in the age of intense social media. We live in an age where people can post selfies and tell their stories. But a lot of queer young people are not able to do that safely or they're still doing that in secrecy. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had our annual youth conference and the virtual, um, we had to do it virtually. We usually do it in person. And one thing we had to contend with is, you know, it was like, well, th- do all of our youth activists have access to Wi-Fi? Check. Okay. Do they have access to computers or devices? Check. Do they have access to spaces where they can be themselves and participate fully?
0: Not sure. And then
1: it was like, mm, not sure, right? Mm-hmm. So even... While, you know, the access to the participate to the conference is wider now because people do not have to fly out, right? Or take off school necessarily. They can be in their own space. They have more agency about how and when they can participate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was like, oh, but like, even if someone wanted to participate fully, they may not be able to share a story, share an experience depending on who's in the room. Mm -hmm. And I think now during this time, that's even more important, especially when people are isolated and want to connect. And as a storyteller, you know, I've had, there are many nights where I've shared something either on Twitter or on Instagram that I just needed to get out of my head, mm-hmm. right. So that I could get sleep or move to the next thing I need to do, like clean my kitchen. <laughs> um, and I don't know if, and I'm privileged in that way. I can do that because I get to say what happens in my house. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would. I don't know what I would do if I haven't if I wasn't able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of queer stories that are not being told completely and fully because people don't have that luxury of filling space in the space that they are now with this large assumption that if you are quarantine then you are keeping yourself safer what does safer mean mm. right and it's complicated just by because people are living and breathing and wanting and hoping to be who they are mm. and I think for some folks this can sound like something that we have kind of addressed in 1998 right like right well we're still here And it's like, yes, I think we've always been here, right? Right. I just think that now it's more amplified. So my hope is that, you know, any adult out there who may be listening, who may have not considered what they think or what they say out loud in front of their young people, the implications it may have and how that young person shows up in the virtual space, in the community that that they're hoping to build. Mm -hmm. And to bring it back to Kiki's, the one thing I love, another thing I love about Kiki's, as I said, you know, I'm the adult in the room. And I like to think that, or I hope that I'm modeling what those conversations can be for parents having or guardians or caretakers or mentors of young people. Um, a lot of what our young people or the children we love are going to tell us, are, it is going to be hard to hear. And it can be awkward, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we can be there and we can listen. So I hope that adults and parents who are watching Kiki's you know, get that that it's possible. It can be hard, it can be tough, we may want to jump in and fix it. Um, so I hope that people get that and understand just how critical it even how critical it even is now in this time of COVID.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um... We have one more question. This has been so, so fun. Thank you so much for being on. Um, and the question is, what projects do you envision creating in the future? Um, where do you see yourself continuing the storytelling in the next five, ten plus years, um, whether that be with advocates or on your own kind of path of projects? Um, great question. Is <laughs> that too uh, much pressure?
1: <laughs> No, because I think we started to, we were our, you know, I'm hoping that Kiki's would, I guess, transition into a podcast. Love it. Uh, I'm not particularly, you know, what was tough about Kiki's was that it had to be in front of the camera. So a lot of times when I watch certain episodes, I can see how tense I am. Right. Because part of it, I think I was hyper aware of making sure that I wasn't coming across as a character richer, Mm. even though I am loud and I may be stereotypically your gay uncle or your gay mom's best friend. Right. In the YouTube space, those things have different contexts and implications. Mm. Right. So I was thinking I don't want to become a meme or um, a gif. Right. Um, Or to be a distraction. Like it was I was thinking like very 80s. Right. Like. (laughs) If you want to sell records, don't be too gay, George Michael. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm hoping that you know Kiki's will transition into a podcast, and that's professionally. And I, I, I think personally, where I would love to take storytelling is into the podcast realm, but all, but through music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather you know I love Galavardones and I love advocates. I'm able to talk about political things. I'm able to, you know, connect my experiences to issues. But, and I just want to talk about the music I loved as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Through those experiences versus talking about my experiences through music, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. We will see, and I can't wait to to hopefully listen to the podcast and, you know, listen to both your podcasts whenever you make them. Um, and thank you so much again for being on. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. How many different ways do you think I can say the word lube in 30 seconds? Let's give it a shot. Lube. Lube. Lubey, luby, luby, Lubey, lube, lube. lube. L to the U to the B to the E. Lube! Well, that was lubes. I mean, loads of fun. This phenomenal and very necessary lube break was brought to you by UberLube. Use promo code SexEdDB for 10% off your purchase with free shipping at www.uberlube.com. SexEd with DB is supported by ClonaWilly. ClonaWilly has been all about dick since 96, and all kits are hand assembled in Portland, Oregon. All materials are 100% body safe, extremely high quality, and easy to use and clean. Use promo code SexEd20 for 20% off your purchase of any ClonaWilly or ClonaPussy kit at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on IG at ClonaWillyKit. Our creator, co producer, sound engineer, and host is me. Daniel Bezalel, a.k.a. DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our social media intern is Leslie Lopez. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexadwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at Podcast. Tune in next time.